What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain welcome to aubrey marcus podcast books number two now, the benefit of this, for those of you who listen to Amp Books number one, is I'm going to be reading my favorite sections of my favorite books of all time. So it's going to give you an opportunity to dive into books that maybe you haven't read and also hear my thoughts and commentary on these books that have significantly made their mark and changed my life in some way. Now, the book I'm reading today is Khalil Gibran's The Prophet. And this book found me 10 years ago. But as the saying goes, when the student is ready, the teaching appears. Well, I was ready for some of the teachings in The Prophet, but I didn't really consume it because I couldn't fully understand it, not the way that I can understand it now. So in a rereading of this book, it has absolutely blown my mind. So I'm incredibly excited to read you this passage, and this book is full of incredible passages. They're like small vignettes, small stories, almost like little fables told that are all woven together. But before we get started, I want to just give a shout out to my sponsor of all sponsors of all time because it's the company that I founded because I wanted to support my own body and support the health of everybody else. And that is on it, of course. And I want to talk about one of my favorite products because it's the foundation. It's what we call Total Human. And the idea is that if you don't want to have to think about anything, if you just want to make sure that all your bases are covered from your brain to your energy levels, to your mood, to your sleep, to all the basic nutrition, we put together day and night packs that just make it super simple. You don't even have to think about it. You just take the day pack, you take the night pack, all your bases are covered. You're optimizing your life and your health in the best way possible. So if you can, go to onit.com slash Aubrey and check out Total Human and save yourself 10%. Thank you so much, and without further ado, I'm going to dive into Khalil Gibran's The Prophet. <sighs> then one of the judges of the city stood forth and said, Speak to us of crime and punishment. And he answered, saying, It is when your spirit goes wandering upon the wind that you, alone and unguarded, commit a wrong unto others, and therefore unto yourself. And for that wrong committed, must you knock and wait a while, unheeded, at the gate of the blessed. Like the ocean is your God-self, it remains forever undefiled. And like the ether, it lifts but the winged. Even like the sun is your God-self, it knows not the ways of the mole, 
nor seeks it the holes of the serpent. But your God-self dwells not alone in your being. Much of you is still man, and much of you is not yet man, but a shapeless pygmy that walks asleep in the mist, searching for its own awakening. And of the man in you I would now speak, for it is he and not your God-self, nor the pygmy in the mist, that knows crime and the punishment of crime. Oftentimes I have heard you speak of one who commits a wrong as though he were not one of you, but a stranger unto you and an intruder upon your world. But I say that even as the holy and the righteous cannot rise beyond the highest which is in each one of you, so the wicked and the weak cannot fall lower than the lowest which is in you also. And as a single leaf turns not yellow, but with the silent knowledge of the whole tree, so the wrongdoer cannot do wrong without the hidden will of you all. Like a procession, you walk together towards your God-self. You are the way and the wayfarers. And when one of you falls, he falls for those behind him, a caution against the stumbling stone. Aye, and he falls for those ahead of him, who though faster and surer of foot, yet removed not the stumbling stone. And this also, though the word lie heavy upon your hearts, the murdered is not accountable for his own murder, and the robbed is not blameless in being robbed. The righteous is not innocent of the deeds of the wicked, and the white-handed is not clean in the doings of the felon. Yea, the guilty is oftentimes the victim of the injured, and still more often the condemned is the burden-bearer for the guiltless and unblamed. You cannot separate the just from the unjust and the good from the wicked, for they stand together before the face of the sun, even as the black thread and the white thread are woven together. And when the black thread breaks, the weaver shall look unto the whole cloth, and he shall examine the loom also. If any of you would bring to judgment the unfaithful wife, let him also weigh the heart of her husband in scales, and measure his soul with measurements. And let him who would lash the offender look unto the spirit of the offended. And if any of you would punish in the name of righteousness, and lay the axe unto the evil tree, let him see to its roots. And verily he will find the roots of the good and the bad, the fruitful and the fruitless, all entwined together in the silent heart of the earth. And you judges who would be just, what judgment pronounce you upon him who though honest in the flesh, yet is a thief in spirit? What penalty lay you upon him who slays in the flesh, yet is himself slain in the spirit? And how prosecute you him who in action is a deceiver and an oppressor? And yet who also is aggrieved and outraged? And how shall you punish those whose remorse is already greater than the misdeeds? Is not remorse the justice which is administered by that very law which you would fain serve? You cannot lay remorse upon the innocent nor lift it from the heart of the guilty. Unbidden 
shall it call it in the night, that men may wake and gaze upon themselves. And you who would understand justice, how shall you unless you look upon all deeds in the fullness of light? Only then shall you know that the erect and the fallen are but one man standing in twilight between the night of his pygmy self and the day of his god self, and that the cornerstone of the temple is not higher than the lowest stone in its foundation. So this is one of those passages where 28-year-old Aubrey read this and is like, fuck that. The punishment needs to fall on those who committed the crime. This is obvious. Like, if you do something, you pay the price. And it's everybody's choice completely into everything they do. And of course, some part of that is true. We do have free will. But I think the power of this passage is to remind us that we're all part of the whole, that within us all interconnected is the entire ecosystem for which we live. It's all the conditioning. It's all the trauma. It's everything that we've brought forth. And within us all are all of these elements, all of these elements that have been contributed to by the whole of our society at large. Now, does that make you not blameless if you commit a crime? Of course. It does not absolve you of all guilt. It does not absolve you of free will. We still have that choice. But to actually really look at somebody, you have to see everything in its totality. That's the only fair way to look at anything that's happened. Another part of this framework that I think is really important is the division of the human being into several different parts. And this is something that I've discovered on my own journeys as well. We're not just one self, right? And he describes it as the God self, your soul, your higher consciousness, who we truly are in the language of Paul Selig. And then there's also the man, the body, like this physical being that we are, this human form. And then there's also the sleeping part of us, the pygmy that's in the mist, that's somewhat lost. And there's a saying from Anthony DeMello that says, if you could do better, of course you would do better. So while there is choice, we also have to recognize that there's so many forces at play that oftentimes it is not us acting in our highest consciousness, it's us acting as the pygmy asleep. When anger rises up in us and we commit some action, we're not in full faculty of every aspect of who we are. So there's compassion there. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't have discretion and that we shouldn't protect ourselves from those who would commit these crimes upon us or protect ourselves from anyone who is not acting in their highest light of awareness. Of course we should. You know, if someone breaks into our house, it is our prerogative and our right to defend ourselves and our family from anything that might transpire. But nonetheless, there should always be that compassion that in some way, they don't really know what they're doing. And this rests upon the assumption that all of us actually do have a God self, that all of us actually do have a higher form of consciousness. And when we're acting out these things that hurt another, it's in the blindness of not realizing that we are actually all connected and that we're all part of this giant ecosystem. And this ecosystem that we're contributing to, even the judgments themselves, actually contribute to every action that's done whether that action is good or whether that action is bad. 
you know, you can look at some statistics and they're very interesting. You look at the recidivism rate of juvenile delinquents and they've provided intervention with even multivitamins. So they've given multivitamins to those in very poor areas who've committed crimes. And the rate of recidivism after multivitamin intervention goes way down. So that sometimes it's just actually the human body itself that when we support the human body, when we support actually the man or the woman, the animal, then the actual deeds start to change. And, and that's also another important revelation that poverty and, and all of these and nutrient deficiencies and all of these different things can also shift our understanding of which part of ourselves we're going to identify as. Are we going to identify as the brightest light, the most conscious self? Or are we going to identify as the hungry, starving, hurt man? Or are we just going to be somewhere lost as as Khalil says, as the pygmy in that sleepless night, unaware of what we're doing. So if we're really going to be just, if we're really going to look at people, then we have to have all of these elements exposed and in our own awareness to understand that, all right, perhaps someone is too dangerous to allow them to continue to be asleep. But what are our efforts to help awaken those who've committed these crimes? Most of our justice system is focused on just punishment. And we know that doesn't work. Someone does something, you put them in a cage, you let them out of the cage, and we expect them to be different. Well, of course, punishment has some subtle effect of preventing people from doing something. But is it actually helping people rise to their highest potential, to rise to their God self so that they're no longer the sleeping pygmy or no longer the hungry, starving man, woman, or human? that's within there. So I think it's an opportunity and an invitation to actually take a fresh look at the entirety of our justice system as a whole, recognizing that we're all co-contributing. I mean, the wealthy who is just sitting behind his gated walls and hoarding all of his resources and not offering any support, someone comes in and robs his house, they just blame that person and say, that was that choice. Well, yes, it was a choice. There is free will. That was a choice that someone made, and that was the wrong choice. That was a choice made in blindness. But the wealthy is not completely blameless either because perhaps if some of those resources have been shared, perhaps even if basic nutrition and multivitamins and the support for the animals that are humans, the animal human, which are all of us, perhaps that would actually change the outcome of the incident itself. And perhaps the sharing of awareness and conscious knowledge could actually change the nature of everything that happens in the macro like all people are really connected at the very least and then perhaps even in the higher principles all people are really the same and that's why it's always the sleeping pygmy who commits any crime against another because when you're fully awake and in awareness you realize that you can't commit a crime against somebody else without committing a crime against yourself. And that was one of the points that he's making there. Why? Well, because we're all each other living a different life. We're all different facets of the same infinite diamond. So it really allows an opportunity to reevaluate every way that we would cast someone into darkness and, and cast them into the shadows by having a little bit more compassion and seeing them in a way that says, huh, 
that was a choice. I understand. But that choice was influenced by so many different factors that there really is no other just way to look at it except with compassion. And there's some great stories about how different cultures and different tribes have handled this issue of crime and punishment. And one of the most beautiful stories of this is a story told to me uh, by Maria Chavez about a West African tribe. When the child is born, the medicine woman channels a song about the soul of that human and teaches the song of the soul of that human to every person in the tribe. And every person in the tribe sings the song when that new child is born and brought into the tribe. And any time that child commits a crime, or any time that child goes astray, or that man goes astray, for example, then instead of putting them in a cage or killing them or exiling them, the first solution is the entire tribe gathers in a circle, puts that individual in the center of the circle, and sings them the song of their soul, sings them the song of their God self, reminds them who they are. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if your entire community was singing you the song of who you truly are after you committed the worst thing that you can imagine? Can you imagine how transformative that would be and how you would just weep with the recognition of how asleep that you were? And I think for those of us who become awake to any of the sleeping things that we've done, the remorse and the guilt we feel is, is incredible because we have to look with wide open eyes at everything we've done. I remember actually the very first vision quest that I did, you know, in the wee hours of the morning when I was writing, there was a blistering awareness of everything that I'd done asleep. And that's every way I'd even mistreated my high school girlfriends, ways that I'd been rude to them and been inconsiderate and unkind. And my life has been a sequential series of awakenings where I go, oh my God, I was so stupid. I was so asleep. I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know how many tearful experiences I've had, particularly in romantic relationships, because those access a lot of the deeper trauma bodies for myself, where I've just been in tears saying like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, I could have done better. I wish I could have done better. I did the best I could at the time, and that was the truth because I was asleep. I was the sleeping pygmy lost in the mist. I wasn't able to access the light of awareness and do anything different. But when you realize that, that's the best that you can do. And you can hope that the person that you're apologizing to can look at you and say, I understand, you were asleep and I've been asleep too. And it just recalibrates the understanding. And it's easier in the ego likes to just separate and say, oh, we're different. These are criminals. I'm the good person. I'm good. They're bad. We're all a blend of all the good and the bad. And sometimes we're able to make the right choice, the better choice, the choice that's done in awareness. And sometimes we're not able to make that choice. You know, And that's something that applies to all of us. And crime may be an extreme example, but we've all done things to people that we wouldn't have done if we saw them in awareness. Maybe that's just raising our voice, or maybe that's just some rude comment, or maybe that's just something selfishly we do where we sneakily grab someone's food and we're like, oh no, I didn't take your food. You know, Any little thing that we do is always done when it's harmful for somebody without that awareness of really 
understanding what our actions are and understanding that all people are connected. And that applies to even environmental issues, you know, like gaining profit from some environmental, environmentally toxic practice. Well, we're able to just remove ourselves from our connection to the earth, from the ecosystem at large, and from the downstream effects that this is going to cause, where the man, the woman, the human is going to struggle more because of the pollution or because of the lack of access to fresh water and all of these things that are going to make it more difficult to make these positive choices. So this passage, I think, is really important because it's so easy to judge those who have done things, to judge those who have exercised their hate, exercised their anger, exercised their greed, exercised all of these things. But knowing that as a whole, we're all somewhat complicit in this thing and the only way to get better is to get better altogether and that's a really powerful reframing of how we can look at the world and it's not an easy one to do and again this doesn't mean like don't lock the doors in your house this doesn't mean that you can't protect yourself or you can't remove yourself from those individuals who are prone to those type of choices I mean, please of course you know, you have that right. It's like the symbol of the rose that has its thorns and it has its flower. The flower being the gift of love that we have for all. And the thorns saying, like, you can't trample on me. Like, this is the boundary line. But always then, the invitation is to keep the candle lit. And that means to, to remember the truth of who everybody is, no matter what they've done to us and no matter what they've done to the world. And in that light of forgiveness, awareness, and universal love, it allows people the opportunity to see that in themselves. Because if we reflect to everybody, even the criminal, we reflect to them that we see who they are in truth, what they are in truth, how they serve in truth. We really see them in their God self that just might allow them to see themselves in that way. Whereas when we see them in judgment and we see them as the sleeping pygmy and that's all we see, well, they're going to see that same thing as well and they're going to create their own defenses against that. So this isn't just some spiritual practice. This is pragmatically a way that I think we can dramatically help and impact those around us. See the best in them. Be aware. Again, be aware. Have discretion. But see the best in them so that when they gaze upon that reflection in your eyes, maybe they can see the best in themselves. And that's ultimately the story of Christ consciousness, right? When I did my own psychedelic journey and I encountered that spirit of Christ consciousness, it was an understanding that I could tell, I could express to this Christ consciousness, which showed up as a column of emerald light, I could express my very, very worst, the thing I was most ashamed of. And there wouldn't even be a flinch. Just love. No judgment. Nothing from the Old Testament of punishment and burning a city in fire and all of these different anthropomorphizations of the old form of justice, but an unflinching, holding no record of wrong, love. And that's really the opportunity that we have to at least reflect to other people even though we do have to follow some discretion and some boundaries and then isolate people who are prone to making these decisions until they can actually rehabilitate 
You know, I mean, I think we've lost that so much in our own criminal justice system is the idea of rehabilitation, of the idea of showing people who they really are, the idea of singing the song of their soul. Right now, it's just on the very lowest octave base level, like we would train a dog, you know, poop on the inside, you get smacked on the butt, do something out in public, you get thrown in this cage, right? Like, that is one way that can be effective. But there's another way that maybe includes some of that, but also includes reflecting back to them the very best of who they are. And this is the wisdom from this small segment from Khalil Gibran's The Prophet. And I could literally probably do an amp books for every single one of these vignettes that he talks about here and actually understand it now. Whereas before, it was something I was highly resistant to. So I hope you guys enjoyed this dive into Khalil Gibran's The Prophet. And I'd love to hear your feedback and your thoughts. You know, I'm choosing intentionally challenging issues and challenging topics, things that help reframe the thinking around important issues that we'll all face in our life. So I hope that after listening to this, maybe when you see someone doing something that is hurting somebody else, you'll be aware of that, but you'll also be aware of the hurt, scared, sick, malnourished, whatever it is, the human and the sleeping pygmy that's also a part of this actualized conscious being and see the totality of everything and do your best to give them the opportunity to rise to the level of their potential. Thanks for tuning in to Amp Books number two. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll be back every Monday for another episode.